Hello, and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelon Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fey encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, and, and all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Hello, people. This week, I'll be chatting with Alicia Hurst. She's been an art therapist for over 12 years. She's a public speaker and host of Let Creativity podcast. She also spent an intensive year going to a shaman college, which honestly, I didn't even know existed until I spoke with her. In this episode, we talk about what shamanism is and what her experiences were like at a shaman college. Stay tuned till the end of this episode where Alicia also discusses an encounter she had with a ghost or an entity of some sort in her bedroom. We're just going to dive right into this conversation now, so here you go. Enjoy. I was watching a talk show in a actor was on the talk show and he was a guest and he was talking about shamanism in a negative manner and they were laughing about it. He said he had gone to a shamanic practitioner and felt like she was a fake and then they just kind of laughed about shamanism in general and something got under my skin about that. I was like, just because you have a negative experience doesn't mean you tell the world that shamanism is a joke pretty much. And I've had experience with shamanism, like I studied it for a year. So ever since then, I've had a desire to talk about how the reality of it, uh, from my point of view, at least, it's something you don't, you really should look more into, not just dismiss it. You're going to find frauds and you're going to find authentic ones in all of these traditions. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like you said, it's not helping people for that guy to to say, oh, all of shamanism is fake. Basically, you want to just tell people, listen, I had this experience. I spent a year being mentored by a shaman. Or they shamans. actually, they call them practitioners. They were real careful not to call themselves shamans. That makes me feel like it's more authentic because when the teacher is saying, I am this like oracle of all amazingness, right. <laughs> bow, bow to me. When they're like, nah, well, I'm just a practitioner. Yeah, that seems like there's less ego involved. So first of all, at the time, I had actually no interest in shamanism. I I didn't really think too much about it, but I was being mentored by a spiritual counselor, a really great mentor. And I was talking to him about experience I had camping and he's like, Alicia, you know, I just get the sense that you have some natural shamanistic tendencies and I'd encourage you to look more into it. He said, I usually recommend shamanism to people who need more grounding. But in your case, I think you need to look more into it just because you have some natural tendencies with it. I was like, oh, okay. And I trusted him enough to, to look into it. And then he didn't recommend anyone or anything. I just used my intuition to find something. And I picked the school that I picked because they seemed really, it wasn't like superficial. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, you're going to take a workshop here and there or you know, it's all this money and we're going to 
you know, after a year, it's going to be even an exorbitant amount of money. It seemed very practical and at your own pace. And it just clicked with me. Is a year the normal, like beginner's time frame for absorbing this material? Yeah. And that's another reason why I picked it because they wanted to make sure that you had a strong foundation in it. I wanted a good amount of time to figure out if it was for me or not. So it's called Shaman College. Oh, that's easy. (laughs) After the 101, do you, can you continue on? Are there many, many more courses? You can, and you get a certificate actually. They decide if you're ready to continue or not, because it's not only the understanding of it. It's also making sure that you practice ethically and that you're not going to hurt anyone. And then after I got the certificate, I really wanted to continue, but I had to be honest with myself and I I just didn't have the time to focus on it. I felt it was such an in-depth practice that it's like, I need to really be okay with not having a social life at all. And it's like that with those initial courses, it really does take up a lot of your time. And even though you're getting to connect with some of the other classmates, it still is the homework. And you're also dealing with energy stuff. So you really want to do that right because weird shit can happen if you don't. Exactly. (laughs) What woo or spiritual activities are you keeping up with now on an everyday basis, if any? I try and meditate. Sometimes I'll just light a candle and look at the candle for a long time and then go into a meditative state. Sometimes I like to get into an active flow state. So I'll go to a place and just kind of walk around aimlessly, just following my own intuition. I I consider that a, a meditative state where I have no plan. I'm not on my phone. I'm just as present as possible, but also actively walking and just exploring or tarot cards. I I feel like tarot cards help me more pay attention to my intuition as well. So if I have trouble focusing on other stuff or sitting down and meditating, I'll go to tarot cards as a way to get into a a meditation. Just sit down and be quiet. (laughs) Essentially to shut the fuck up. (laughs) I hear you. Yeah. I think divination tools, I think people get they get kind of hung up on like how can you believe in this shit? And it's like, well really you're learning how to believe in yourself. You're honing and you're calibrating your intuition and you can calibrate a deck and you can calibrate a pendulum. And over time, you can create this relationship with yourself. I think it's cool that you think of that as like a meditative practice. Not everybody does, you know, they get kind of freaked out about divination in general. Yeah, I totally agree. It's definitely reconnecting with yourself, which is at the same time connecting to the outside forces, energies, whatever, the wisdom that nature has for you. It's it's automatically connected to your inner world as well as I feel. I do use tarot cards sometimes like, oh, okay, I've got to really watch myself and not get into that hypervigilant state, like, or not turn to tarot cards to really discipline myself and turn inward. That's a good point and a good term because I know that once you get into the habit of a regular divination practice, you can start to lean on it accidentally. And I found that if you've really calibrated your deck or your pendulum or whatever you're working with, it will usually let you know in some way. It'll like give you the same card every day (laughs) or something where it's just like, dude, stop. (laughs) You're not getting it. We've really got to be more comfortable with the actual present. That's where it all is. 
the present is exactly where all your answers are going to be. You do not need to continue to look at outside forces to tell you how to live your life and how to handle the future. You will be fine because you are powerful in of yourself. doesn't matter if you're working with shamans, meditation teachers, gurus, saints, whatever. They're all going to say the present moment is where you need to be. Yes. Focusing all of your time, if possible, which is not possible at all. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So that's a really good point because we tend to get stuck in the, in the future or the past at all the time. Right. For the listeners, I just want to define shamanism in case you're like, what are you guys talking about? Miriam Webster says shamanism is a religion practiced by indigenous peoples of far Northern Europe and Siberia that is characterized by belief in an unseen world of gods, demons, and ancestral spirits responsive only to the shamans this says northern europe and only siberia it can't be that right from my reading so far i'm pretty sure they said that it started in siberia that seems to be consistent with what i've read is that it the origin was in siberia that's really interesting so maybe that was like the og shamanism yeah (laughs) and then it kind of trickled into all the different areas and they adopted new things along the way yeah, maybe. I, or, never, I mean, who knows who wrote that? Like, where did they find that? I don't know. Merriam-Webster <laughs> is a scully. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wikipedia, let's read this one too, just in case. Wikipedia says, shamanism is a religious practice that involves a practitioner, a master shaman, who is believed to interact with a spirit world through altered states of consciousness, such as trance. The goal of this is usually to direct these spirits or spiritual energies into the physical world for healing or for some other purpose. The part that I want to focus on there is altered states of consciousness. Some of the listeners might not know what the journey is in shamanism. Sure. So I learned how to journey through the use of a drum. It would be at a certain pace and you would close your eyes, you'd find a dark space, quiet space. And just listen to this drumming. And before you journey too, you're really supposed to cleanse yourself and ask for protection from the four directions and make an intention. Like it's a whole ritual. You don't just go into a journey state. You need to do the before work as well. With your intention in mind, you listen to this drumming and then you get into an altered state, which I would say is you just kind of, for me, I would just see images and I would just let them come without trying to change them. For shamanism in particular with the journey, it was so amazing to me because the images I would see, I would go back and read books on shamanism and other people for thousands of years have had similar images, like the tunnels and the lower world looks similar, you know, to everyone and the upper world looks similar. Like you don't find things from the lower world in the upper world. Why is that? I have no idea. (laughs) I did a lot of my journey at the lower world looking for guides and guides can be animals. They can be dragons. It's interesting the way they talk to you too, because they could talk to you through just their movement or they could psychically talk to you. You would hear them talk. It was just a beautiful communication. I've heard that a lot when working with spirit animals that they kind of manipulate their methods of communication to make you feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's never like, you're never going to feel hurt by the way they communicate with you. Yeah. And if you do, that is not some 
an entity you want to be talking to. Right. And so then would you say a journey is a ritual that puts you in this trance, like say with the drum and the purpose is to connect with your spirit guides. Is that correct? Usually spirit animals. Yeah. The purpose is usually to get wisdom an answer to your question, guidance and or healings too, or answers on how to heal. I've worked with three different shamans. One was a native American uh, shaman. The other, other three were of an Ecuadorian lineage. And the one, when she did my journey for me, I did not see the things she did. And then she told me, you actually got to learn how to go into that space, right? Yeah. So I would have these experiences and then I would write them all out to my mentor and tell her about them. So, yeah. Did you experience one or many animals or beings in this process? There were two main ones that I remember. And the main one was like a big, he was a bird, he was a male. And I really enjoyed the way he communicated with me because one of the most powerful lessons that I had with him, it wasn't him verbally talking to me. It was like an experience. I was on his back and he was flying and he was flying so fast that I couldn't look up and look around me. I had to get closer to him and kind of just feel intuitively where he is going. And then he would slow down and I would have a chance to sit up and kind of survey the area and see where we're going. And for whatever reason, that really clicked with me. And I was like, oh, all right. So when life is moving fast, you really have to pay attention to your intuition. You don't have time to look and survey and plan. You, you just have to go inward. When things are going slower in your life, that's the space for you to, to kind of look around and look to see ahead, plan ahead, maybe think about the future. And that was important for me. It was like, you don't always have to try there are times to look ahead and there's times to, to really go inward and, and listen to your intuition. That's like in karate, you repeat the move thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And it's, you do it all the time, you know, and then when you're under a lot of stress, you have that muscle memory and you know, okay, I need to count on my, in this case, it would be your intuition instead of the karate move. But yeah. it's the same idea is that like, that's not the time to be working shit out and asking all these questions and trying to make moves. It's really like you go inward, you trust yourself. Just like yeah. if somebody comes and steals your bag after you've been doing the karate, you're like, okay, I know here's the move. Boom. You, you know, <laughs> and there's no thinking about, should I make the move or not make the move? It's just kind of, it's there. Yeah. That's an important lesson for sure. Before each episode, I've been looking at this website that. It's really creepy. It's called alsoasks.com. Have you heard of it? Huh. So basically it's some kind of algorithm that goes into all the search engines and it finds what collectively people have been asking about the topic that you put in. Uh-huh. So for shamanism, the most asked question is why do shamans spit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Isn't that funny that out of all the questions, that's the most popular question like on the interwebs. <laughs> I actually have not experienced this. <laughs> I mean, that never came up in my training list. I've never spit as a part of my practice, but uh, this is kind of veering off a little bit, but it, I think it does pertain to the question. I actually went to someone who said so they're a shamanic 
practitioner in uh, around the DC area for a healing. And during that session, I had one session with them. It was a woman who has been studying shamanism from Peru since she was like a child. And she had a partner who was a male who was also there. And during that session, they would burp a lot. Yes. So I didn't, I didn't experience the spitting, but the burping was a release of energy. All of those are just different ways of cleansing, right? Yeah. And the vibrations of your voice, that is a cleanser, like chanting and singing. That is a way to clear energy. And you identify as an empath, right? Mm-hmm. For us, especially, it's important to get energy out in whatever way you can, because it can get stuck and it's not necessarily ours. Yeah. One of the reasons I started looking into energy and healing and all that good stuff is because I was like, I am so tired and I have no idea why. And then I went from the physical healing into the energy aspects and I was like, oh, okay, this makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure you learn about that in your shaman course to have those boundaries because Mm -hmm. the more you work with energy, the more you have to have those boundaries, right? Even if you don't identify as an empath. Yeah. As a therapist, you learn boundaries, you learn like uh, the professional boundary and the therapy boundary, but there's an additional layer that I don't think it's talked about enough, but I do think also you can be a professional therapist and do everything right while also not paying attention to the energy and have your energy depleted. And that needs to be really talked about. I mean, therapists are working with energy, whether they like to admit it or not, because What are feelings and thoughts anyway? I found that when I did those two, I did it a few times, maybe two or three times. And I cried a lot. Did, have you cried a lot in your, in your shamanic uh, session? Oh, sometimes. Yeah. If you're releasing energy and you're really getting to the heart of the matter, I've definitely cried when I wasn't expecting to, even with meditation. Did you have Florida water? Did you guys use that? I didn't learn about Florida water during my studies. Again, it was just the first level though for cleansing. I learned using sage and then also the drumming. I think the drumming is part of like the vibrations from the drumming is cleansing. But no, I didn't learn about Florida water. And then when I had the healing with the one in DC, I don't remember any water being used, but definitely lots of smoke and lots of burping. And So shamanic journey, we kind of went over that. It's communicating with your inner spirit, retrieving some kind of information or wisdom. Mm -hmm. Did you find that when you did your first journey for yourself, where you were the one expected to visualize and see the things, was it easy for you or did it take time to work up to creating a space that you could enter and do all that? Uh, I guess it was easy. I am an art therapist, so I'm pretty visual. I'm used to looking at visuals and seeing symbolism and working with them. I was surprised at how the visuals came to me and then how they kind of just flowed. And I was like, oh, all of a sudden I'm surrounded by plants and here's an animal. Like, where did this come from? I wasn't expecting how naturally it happened. Were you scared at all or? No, I wasn't scared. And I trusted my mentor. Like if anything weird happened, I would just tell her because they were so careful about making sure that you set yourself up for protection and to be protected. And this is what you look for because the lower world does have spirits that aren't there for your 
benefit. Like they're there for their benefit. I did have an experience journey where something happened and I just naturally did something. And I told my mentor and she's like, okay, next time that happens, you know, don't interact with that type of spirit. They can be dangerous or especially because you're a newbie. Like you don't know know what you're doing. So, but this experience, I remember it, the spirit was like a a black spider. It came up to me (laughs) And all of a sudden, I was just like, go to the light. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what the light is. Like, I don't know what I was telling him. And he did. He just kind of went up and went to the light. And I told my mentor. And they're like, okay, (laughs) you did something that was a little advanced, but you don't know that you're actually doing it. So you need to (laughs) just don't do that again. (laughs) Which I really appreciated because, I mean, I wouldn't want to do anything that risks myself either. And were you afraid? Was it like, oh, shit. Was it startling? Actually, no. And I think this is what the spiritual mentor I was talking about, because it just naturally happened. I didn't think about it. It just happened. But afterwards, I was like, whoa, what was that? (laughs) I was almost like remembering. When I first started to get into witchcraft, I was like, oh, this is cake. And I was doing my quarters very similar to shamanism, the four elements. And I did a ritual and I accidentally invited in an energy and entity. I don't know what it was, but they were not friendly. They weren't like doing anything bad. They were just kind of trickster energy. Yeah. And I was scared. I just want to say that here for listeners who want to get into this stuff. Do make sure you have a mentor or somebody that you can go to for when this kind of stuff might happen, because you might not be like Alicia and have the like OG, whatever sense memory in your past that gives you the ability to tell the spider to go into the light. You know, you might just shit your pants. Right. (laughs) Like I almost did. So yeah, (laughs) you had mentioned before upper world, lower world, middle world. So from what I remember, the lower world was about finding your animal guide You can go there for wisdom and certain healings, but also it was much more, I would say, kind of wild. (laughs) And then the upper world, I just remember it being more airy, pristine. You can also get healings there and talk to guides, but it was more of a higher level. It was a totally different energy. Is it more safe feeling? I wasn't worried about uh, uh, negative or other entities. I don't even like calling them negative, just entities that weren't there for me. (laughs) That's (laughs) a big That's a really good distinction. I think you're right. It's not necessarily negative. It's this, they're just not there for you. And if you disrupt or whatever, it might come off as negative to you, but it doesn't mean that they're intrinsically negative. Right. Yeah. It's almost like seeing a spider in real life and you get this like, oh my gosh, it's a spider. People are scared of spiders. And it's like, they're not there to ruin your world. If anything, it's (laughs) us that are ruining their world. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess the term guru or something like spiritual gurus would be in the upper world. I just remember it was just a very serene feeling. Hmm. And then the middle world, what's that world? I actually haven't had too much experience with the middle world. I don't even know if I actually did anything in the middle world yet. That was like next level. We're not there yet. Tune in next time. (laughs) (laughs) When you start the journey, they give you permission or how how do they educate you about these different worlds? How how do you know about them? As part of your homework, you do read about it. And they also give you a very detailed step-by-step of how to go about it. And then 
the journey itself, like getting to the lower world or upper world, there is kind of, I won't say a test, but there is like you go through usually like a thick cloud or something that you have to journey through. And then it's like, it's almost like something that's separating this world through to that other world. You have to keep at it until you get through it. And then it's like, oh, you're in this other world, a tunnel. Yeah. How do you meditate in the shamanic world the meditation is the the drumming that's the meditative state the trance state and then it just slows everything down and you just get into that state and you just naturally kind of flow with it and then the drumming itself will bring you back into the real time or this time this world it'll get quicker and that'll be like your cue okay it's time to come back and then you you journey back It's almost like the drum itself is your guide. It keeps you safe. It keeps you at the right pace. It reminds you when you need to come back to the world, this world. Yeah. It's also kind of a reflection of like the heartbeat too, right? Mm -hmm. What was the most intense, profound experience that you had during this year long schooling? So I was outside and I remember I was sitting by a river and I had an intention to ask some question. The intense part for me was the the response I got from nature. It was just so unexpected. Maybe I was asking guidance about one of my fears. And one of my fears was I feel lonely on this journey. I'm scared that the more I connect to the spiritual world, I'm going to be lonely or I'm not going to have support or whatever socialization or I don't know but it was the the core of it was I was scared of being lonely the response I got was it was a heron and the heron had popped up in my journey or teachings throughout that year too there wasn't I didn't just see one heron I saw like 20 herons flying by me wow all of a sudden like just like no Alicia you we're with you. Like you are not going to be alone. Like we are always here with you. Like we hear you. We're responding. And I had gone to that river a lot, and I had never seen that many herons flying ever. Wow! It was a it was a response. Like it was a blatant response. Like the spirit world is like we have you. We are here with you. It was undeniable. It's amazing when it happens so quickly. My emotion was just off. Like it was, I mean, just seeing that many herons flying by was just like, I can't, I almost, it was surreal. I was like, is this really happening? Like, <laughs> and of course my brain's trying to come up with a logical explanation. Like, oh, um, maybe they're migrating. <laughs> right. I don't, know, right. I don't even know if herons migrate. <laughs> exactly. We're just taught to like, oh no, wait, this can't be that weird. It's not right. <laughs> Right. Well, I think some skepticism is good. I mean, you're like testing. It's like, okay, I'm not just accepting. It's just that balance, right? You don't want to have that skepticism loud and clear and that's it. Yeah. And then you miss the herons altogether. The other powerful experience that I had was learning to read a rock. It's, I guess you could call it divination from a rock, but it wasn't about the future or anything. Of course, there's always the prep work you save yourself, you cleanse yourself, you ask for protection. And then you look for a rock and you look at it in a certain way. There's like a process to look at it as well. 
And there's, a, of course, you have a question and a minor intention. And I was just so surprised at the depth of information I got from reading a rock. Because at first, when you hear about it, like just the words, I'm going to learn from a rock. It's like, it doesn't sound, <laughs> thrilling. It doesn't sound thrilling. You're like, wow, <laughs> super cool. <laughs> Look at this rock here. <laughs> right. But it's the, and this is the main thing that I've gotten from shamanism is like, when you start to build a relationship with nature, like nature is the most in-depth wisdom teacher ever. Like it's not going to go half-assed. You're going to get some deep answers if you're ready to hear them. But you have to create that space first, because I feel like if you don't listen consistently enough, you're not going to hear anything. But if you were really saying, okay, I am going to read this rock. I'm going to give all my attention Mm -hmm. to this piece of earth. Yeah. It's not just the focus though. It's the relationship. Like you're still, you're also connecting to it. Like you're holding it in your hand. You're like, Hey, this is me. Hello. And this is you. Hello rock. Okay. It's a relationship. And that's the biggest lesson I've, I learned from that year of training was that nature isn't just a background. It's, it's here for you. It wants to work with you. Like it's been here forever. It was here long before we came. It knows some stuff. And we disregard it so often as humans and sort of think of it like the spider that we're afraid of. We think it's just sort of in our way. Yep. And it's so unfortunate, right? Because it can be so powerful and so healing And that really is the most profound lesson for you in all of this is your relationship with nature and how important it is to cultivate that. Oh, definitely. Like there's no doubt. That in in addition to like the validation of listening to my instincts, like I no longer see my imagination as just imagination and discard it. Like I can distinguish between what is kind of fantasy and also what's symbolic. I pay attention way more now to to nature and to animals. But a good example, I think, is with COVID, with the pandemic, it started off, I mean, what was the main animal associated with it? Well, shit. I don't know. What was the carrier? Do you remember what they blamed it on? Oh, was it a monkey? Oh, a bat. If you actually look at the bat and if you actually pay attention, it's like, okay, why in the world would a bat be the shining star here with COVID and actually give it some attention and you look at the symbolism of that, it's all about rebirth. Nature is telling us, like, this is a rebirth for you. It's trying to tell us stuff. <laughs> we just have to listen. That's interesting. I couldn't even remember what the animal was. So is that where the original strain came from? I don't know if it's the original strain, but they think it's the carrier. And so if you were to look in like an animal totem book or something like that, it would be primarily about rebirth and sloughing off the old and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I kind of did a deep dive. I learned about bats. I was like, oh, how do bats live? And I think the most interesting thing is they've got a little bit of everything in the ecosystem. Like they drop seeds, they pollinate stuff, they fly around. So they're spreading stuff all around. They are really connected to a lot of parts of the ecosystem. I was like, okay. So not only is it about rebirth, it's about connection and everything is important. What you do affects everything else. What do you think it will take for us to listen to nature more? Do you think we'll have to have a catastrophe even worse than this pandemic? Or do you think with like Greta Thunberg and people like that, we'll start listening more? So and I thought about this question a lot in the terms of two like crises of mental health crises, like 
what does it take for people to change? Why do we always have to wait until the world is crumbling to change? And is that the only way? And I actually don't think so. And Greta, I think, is a great example because she's a sensitive soul. And I think sensitivity is actually the answer. If we can respect sensitivity and focus more on sensitivity and not in the way where you're copping out on things, but in the way where you're listening to your body, you're listening to your intuition, you're listening, (laughs) you're paying more attention to the feelings that you get to like the hairs on your body standing up. You're giving that significance. And just by listening to ourselves more and being more intuitive and being more sensitive, we're going to catch things quicker. We're not going to have to wait until things are falling apart to, to notice, right? Because when you're more sensitive, you react quicker in a way that you are more informed. When the senses are dull, that's when things have to explode in front of you to get your attention. Right. We often think of sensitivity and vulnerability as detriments or weaknesses, but actually, like you're saying, they're kind of like the pathway. They're the answer. Yes. Even though it's uncomfortable. Yeah. They're your antennas. They're your superpower. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You said at the beginning of this interview that you had seen somebody on TV, some guy who was kind of making fun of shamanism and you thought, man, they're not sending the right message. What would be the most important message you would say to the listeners about shamanism? Uh, I would say really explore it for yourself before deciding on judging it. It's been around for so long. I think there's so many things it can like, for example, with my own, my own experiences, like I, I did a year's training and I still want to do more. And I feel like I've only touched the surface. And even then I still, I've learned so much. It's impacted my life in such a great way. It's expanded it in such a great way. And I wouldn't say this only for shamanism. I'd say this for any spiritualism or anything that you hear and you automatically react like, oh my God, that's so stupid. Check yourself first. Instead of If you have that reaction, that's probably a red flag for you to actually look more into it. We're going to need these practices of all different traditions and cultures to help us through probably many transitions, I imagine. Yeah. Is there any other advice you'd give to people who want to look into shamanism or anybody you'd want to turn them to? Would you just tell them to go to this college? Yeah. That's the only one I have experience with. And then Sandra Ingerman, if you want to learn more about it, definitely take a workshop. Like, don't just look at the articles or don't look at a website and then judge it. Like, actually experience it for yourself. See what it's all about. Honestly, I would look at the history, too. Like, read a book about shamanism. Don't just do research, though. Somehow get involved physically, like, so that your body can actually experience it, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I do have a signature question that I ask people and that is what's the most woo-woo, inexplicable, spooky experience you've ever had? So right before I moved, I had some experiences in my apartment and I live alone. I had a cat and the lights would turn on and off sometimes just really weirdly. And then I would hear doors shut when, you know, I was the only one in the house and That didn't really phase me. I'm like, okay, that's weird, but you know, nothing's really affecting me that much. And then one time I was in my bed, actually this happened a few times, 
but I was in my bed and I was reading on my iPad, I had like a mini iPad. I was reading about the fairy world is a very, is like a Celtic book um, about the fairy world and about the spiritual side of the fairy world and how to get into it. anyway. And then I put the iPad onto my desk next to my bed and I turned around to take a nap. And I just remember hearing this thump and my iPad had somehow flipped off my desk onto the floor and it was facing the opposite direction it had been when it was laying on the desk so it was face down on the desk and then I look over and it's it's on the floor like a foot away from the desk flipped up and I was like okay that's weird <laughs> there's no way my cat could have just somehow in a sec because I, I immediately looked over when I heard the thump my cat would have somehow had to flick it with her <laughs> to get it to flip over and get it that far away from the desk and then it happened again like two or three times like I remember not only did the iPad fly off the desk I would look back and like my glasses had been folded on the desk and I looked over and I would hear a commotion on the desk and then I would look over and the glasses were open hanging off of the desk by one of the what do you call it yeah, the whatever you put on your ear, that thing. Hold on to your ear. <laughs> it was dangling off the table, held up by that. I'm like, how does it open up like that and then <laughs> dangle off the table like that? And then something that was in the middle of the table was, it was like a little trinket or something, was directly underneath the table. And I was like, okay. There's, I, I don't know what's going on. So I had been taking psychic classes and I emailed the school that I had been taking psychic classes with. And I was like, I need some help here. I think I'm a ghost. Um, I know enough about energy that it doesn't automatically have to be a ghost. I had told them it was a ghost. It, it's moving like a ghost, but whatever. So I set up a session with someone and they were asking me questions. And they even like from the start, they said it may not be a ghost. Have you broken up with someone that was really emotional recently? And I was like, no, I have been quite single for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, no, it's not, I have not. not rude. But they said the energy entered in a backlash from a relationship like that could actually like kind of echo around you. Mm, imprints. And, yeah. Yeah. And so I, but I was like, no, that's not it. And then she's like, okay, well, let me check in. And then she's like, yep, it's a, it's a, it's a ghost. <laughs> um, and she's like, I don't think it means any, it doesn't mean any harm. It does. And I was like, yeah, I didn't feel like scared or anything. And I honestly wanted to learn how to speak to it. I wanted to communicate with it because I didn't feel scared. I, it was just a little freaky because I had never experienced anything physical like that happen mm-hmm. to me energetically. But I had only signed up for a session to either get rid of the ghost or, you know, I didn't sign up for a whole class on how to speak. to. (laughs) (laughs) That's much more money. (laughs) Right. So do you want to get rid of, you know, do you want it to tell it to move on? And I was like, yeah, I'll I'll tell it to move on because I, you know, I'm not going to. Apparently that's, you know, that's what I asked her for. And then she said something interesting after that. She had asked me what I had been reading, first of all. Mm. And then she had asked me where the ghost had been doing its stuff. And I was like, oh, next to the desk or the desk next to my bed. So she's like an area where you are a lot of times. I was like, oh yeah. And then she's like, okay, when you're reading off of that iPad, 
make sure when you're done, turn it off and put it in your closet. <laughs> really? I think she thought it was like some sort of portal or maybe I had been psychically, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I got the sense I was doing something. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so I've been making sure that that iPad has been off <laughs> if I'm not using it. I haven't been putting it in my closet all the time, honestly, but I have been making sure it's off and not near my bed. I've heard people talk about their experiences with the fairy realms they do say that they can be very tricky. You know, they come and kind of play pranks on you a little bit. Yeah. It kind of seems like that. It didn't seem aggressive or anything, right? Yeah. I was reading about the Fae and I also had just watched the movie with Matthew McConaughey where he like goes into another dimension. Interstellar? Yes. So you had Interstellar on the mind and then you had been reading about fairies. So it was a concoction. <laughs> Exactly. I think I was just more open to those states in general because it was during COVID. I wasn't doing anything else. My mind was just more open to those kinds of states. Mm-hmm. So I'm th- maybe that let the the entity be like, oh, hey, she's open. <laughs> did this entity stop messing with you? It did. It, and I kind of missed it, uh, honestly. I was like, oh, it was, I mean, nothing else is going on in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> we're so lonely we're like oh I miss my ghost (laughs) where's my fucking ghost (laughs) that's great so have you had any haunting since then no um nothing (laughs) in California nope (laughs) oh I'm sure you'll get a new California ghost yeah maybe only a matter of time (laughs) (laughs) I have to work on strengthening my resilience or whatever I need for that because I I immediately go to it's going to be like this horrible thing but it doesn't have to be no and honestly I keep remembering a person who deals with ghosts I can't remember her name right now but she's like more of a public entity but she keeps saying you have the power you you tell them to leave like in a very authoritative like you tell them to go and so that's always in the back of my mind even though even if I don't do that or I'm not in that I don't feel powerful (laughs) That's why I asked the teacher, I was like, I need help. I guess because that's in the back of my head, I never feel like this is just going to overtake me. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where my weakness is, is, is being able to feel more empowered as a practitioner. Because in the beginning, you're very much like, oh, I'm having mentors help me or teachers help me, but I'm not relying on myself. And even, yeah. even on the silly shows like Ghost Hunters and shit like that, they're like, no, you have to say you don't get to be here right now. Like you said, it's, you say that with authority, but I, I, yeah, it's your space in the middle of the night when my imagination is running wild. That's the last thing I think of is like own your space and just tell them to buzz off. I got to work on that. So out of curiosity, what did you do to get the visitor that you had out? I talked to a mentor as well in the Wiccan lineage and she said to sage and cleanse and then we actually use salt and I did just what you said and I sat there with my partner and we said you're not welcome here no disrespect but like we just don't want you in this space because we have to sleep yeah (laughs) um you know no big deal like I was trying to be overly polite but authoritative it's a difficult balance (laughs) (laughs) yeah But that was that case. In another case, I accidentally broke a circle in a ritual, which you're not supposed to do. And I had a male 
entity who wore a hat. He had like one of those, like, what do you call them? Like those ranger hats on. And he was super creepy. He didn't do anything to me. He just creeped me out. And in that case, I think it was the same thing. It was just kind of like cleansing and asking to leave. But I think I keep getting them because I need practice telling them to go away. Oh, yeah. That's a good yeah. way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm hoping that's what it is. But maybe I should be more like you and I should be enthusiastic and like looking forward to having a ghost friend. Yeah. Maybe see what they have to say. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe my new best friend in COVID times is this ghost. I don't know. So that was the spookiest, creepiest thing that's ever happened to you. Kind of inexplicable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's pretty scary because I've heard that it takes a lot of energy for them to be able to manipulate actual physical objects. Yeah, I've read about that as well. I've, and I'm guessing it's true. I mean, if they're traveling through dimensions, it's going to... Sounds exhausting. takes <laughs> some energy. For sure. Do you have any last words that you wish to share? I'm so grateful that you're holding this podcast and asking these questions and interviewing people. I, I I'm just thank you for holding this space for people. Yeah, it's really nice. You know, I, I think a lot of people want to talk about their experiences and don't have a lot of spaces where they get to talk about this stuff, where they exactly. feel safe. Yeah. So it's, it, and it's all I want to talk about. So I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> It was such a delight chatting with Alicia. You can check out what she's been up to on her website, letcreativity.com. She's also always looking for guests who are interested in sharing their relationship to creativity on Let Creativity Podcast. You can listen to her podcast on several platforms, including Spotify and Google Podcasts, or you can go to anchor.fm slash letcreativity.com. If you're interested in investigating the college Alicia went to, it's so easy to find. The website is literally shamancollege.com. All of these links will be in the show notes for this episode. Also, also, if you are wondering about my ghost experience, the one that I reference at the end of this episode, I will be doing a special in-depth episode about that for my patrons of the Order of Woo. If you have a story or question that relates to the content of this episode, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Thank you for following the Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow the Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic, and remember, tell the truth, 
be nice to each other. And if it feels right, 